this is our final installment on uh, The Power to Change. Next week, we are starting a brand new series on the small little book in the New Testament called Galatians. It's going to be called Traveling Light, and uh, kind of our little subheading that we're working with is Even More Freedom. Wonderful book, speaks to kind of just the freedom that we have in Jesus, and our hope is that as we continue and go through the series, that you'll actually experience an appropriate lifting of inappropriate burdens, etc., and and just uh, discover more of what it means to actually live in the, the freedom that Jesus has purchased for us at the cross. So, uh, as you mentioned, the book is an incredibly valuable supplement. Uh, who, who has got the book? Who's been reading it, etc.? There are a few of us. I've, I've gone through it a couple of times. I've tried very hard to not uh, repeat much of what's in the book so that it is something extra for people, but there are some great little exercises, some, some thought-provoking questions and exercises that I think for people that are really serious about working um, some change into their lives in any area, there is great value in the book. So, We've taken a look over the last few weeks at the power that God makes available to us. Um, in the second week, we looked at this theme that we feel burdened uh, towards for this year as we actually pray for, ask for, um, try and press into even more. This idea that God actually wants more for your life, that God, that God wants more for your relationships, that God wants more for uh, where it is that you're working or at school, purpose, meaning, etc. I really do believe that it's God's desire for every person to have a life-giving relationship with Him where we are experiencing more love, more joy, more peace, more self-control, more kindness, patience, faithfulness, gentleness, etc. Um, this is God's heart. I don't think that it's God's heart for us to go through our entire lives just barely surviving, just barely scraping through. And it's not just about eternity in the sense of when we die. Um, it's God's will for us to experience His love and life in, its, in as much as we can this side of eternity. And so we, we really, it is my prayer that where maybe we have settled, where maybe we have become complacent, which is different to being content. Content is healthy, but complacent is where we kind of give up a little bit, where we just, where we, where we just accept uh, limits that God actually wants us to push through. Um, and so our prayer is that, is that there would be that appropriate sense that God really does have more. This isn't a gimmick, and this isn't a prosperity theology by any means. The, at its worst, prosperity theology is if you do the right things, you can manipulate and control God and get what you want. That's, that, is not, that is not what I'm trying to get at. But I do think that God wants our lives to flourish in meaningful ways, even in the midst of valleys, wildernesses, winters, difficult circumstances. And so I just want to encourage you that it is God's will to do even more. Our sort of key passage there that we're going to be referring back to throughout the year is Ephesians 3 verse 20 and 21, where it says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. So there's this partnership to accomplish infinitely more. We've mentioned that the NIV uses the word immeasurably more, or the New King James, exceedingly, abundantly, above all, we might ask or think. And then it comes back to the why. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. We want to appropriately be sensitive to God's invitations to believing Him for even more. But here's the challenge. 
and maybe you've got this by now at this point in the series. If not, I guess we've done a bit of a subpar job. But we need more power than what we actually possess. Some of you have lived long enough and you're self-aware enough to know that, that willpower is limited. Like, it's good. It's, it's needed. I think it's something that we can maybe, uh, you know, develop and, and stretch and, and increase, you know, the stamina and, and, the, and the strength of our willpower. But willpower is limited. Have you ever noticed how if, if it's your intention to, uh, I don't know, to, to stick to a healthy diet, how much easier it is in the morning? Anyone? Or, or, if, or if you're saying, you know what, I, I feel like alcohol is becoming a bit of a dependency for me, I'm, 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 I'm going to stop uh, filling the blank over the weekends. Have you, have you ever noticed how much easier it is on a Monday yeah. than by a Friday? Because, because we, we, as we engage, as, as we are challenged in different levels of stress and depletion and being drained by, by different challenges, we, we're having to tap into our willpower for those things. This, is, this, isn't, this isn't just my opinion. Loads of researchers have uh, developed different exercises with different groups of people to actually test this theory out. So, for example, in one uh, in one exercise, they would have formed two groups of people who, for all intents and purposes, would be very similar. So obviously age, um, IQ, et cetera, et cetera. And then they would, they would put, take them into a room where for the one group, they would have these really, really nice biscuits, cookies, you know, like, you know, those nice, freshly baked, tasty, not sugar-free, not gluten-free, <laughs> packed with wheat and sugar cookies, right? And they would, and they would allow them to have these. The other group had to eat radishes, okay? That, that was all that they were allowed to eat, and they had to eat it. Then they got both groups to try and complete a complex problem. I think it was a mathematical problem. So these are guys that can complete mathematical problems. The group that, that were allowed to eat the cookies had far more left over to work on the problem than the group that had eaten the radishes. They, because they had already exercised, sorry, I actually think that they were in the same room, so they had to exercise self-control in terms of not having the cookies, but they had to have the radishes because they had to dig deep to, to follow that rule. They had less in them, and so as a, as a whole, consistently, they gave up trying to solve the problem quicker because willpower is limited. Which is why, by the way, it is unwise to try and tackle 30 new massive goals all at the same time. We just don't have it in us. That's why we talk about things like progress, not perfection, and start where you are, not where you want to be, so that we can actually just trust God with His patience and His journey. Now, that's not to say that we, that we don't want to fight every blatant area of destruction in our life. Sure, we, obviously, we want to move away from that as much as possible, but, but it's important, number one, to know that our willpower is limited, and so we need wisdom in how we even apply our willpower to different things, which is why habits make such a big difference. The moment we can habituate something, the less we have to think about it. So we've already pre-decided, and so we're not having to actually spend the mental energy we're not having to spend the emotional energy thinking about it. We've already decided about it. And so when that is already the habit, well, it's going to drain less of our willpower. So on a practical level, these are some of the things that we can do. Last week, 
We took a look at a well-known passage of Scripture about sowing and reaping and the idea that we need to make sowing the win. So we do what we can. We cannot control the outcome necessarily. We cannot control the time, but we can control what we are putting in, what we are trying to form in our lives. But, but I want to encourage you that even so, and this might be frustrating for some of us, this might be offensive to some of us, maybe for others this will be a little bit encouraging. We do need more power than what we have, even at our best. We really do need God. Which is why I love the passage that we've started the series with and have kept coming back to and will probably keep reminding ourselves of in Philippians 2 verse 13, that He is doing a work in you. If you are following Jesus, He is doing a work in you. At least He's trying. I mean, we have to allow it, right? But He's doing a work in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. That encourages me massively to think that, that first of all, if I am following Him, so if I'm, if I'm actually walking with Jesus, not ticking boxes, I mean, I'm trying to walk with Him, which I'll explain a little bit more in a moment what that means, that, that I think He actually wants me to discern the desires that He has for my life, that He has for my priorities, my rhythms, my schedule, how I manage my money, how I handle relationships, who I can give relational energy to and who I have to accept I can't give relational energy to, where, where I accept appropriate limits and where I allow Him to also put on bigger jackets and, 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 and lead me into bigger challenges. If I'm walking with Him, if I'm allowing Him to do a work in me, He will give me the desire. But there's no desire that God gives us that He doesn't give us the power to achieve as well. Yeah, Jason, that sounds great. You don't know my life. I don't. But I do know the Word of God, and I do know God, and I do know the experience in my life where I believe that some of these promises, like I've seen it, I've experienced it. I think of that passage in Corinthians where he says, I won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. And, and again, the natural pushback would be, Jason, I've been tempted way more than I can handle. And I'm like, have you? Is it possible that you just missed the prompting 14 kilometers before the fall? Because that verse goes on to say that, so he won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we can handle. And again, he's speaking to followers of Jesus. He goes on to say that I will show you, he will show you a way out. I know that there have been times in my life where he has shown me a way out. And I've just, oh, 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 oh whatever, yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, And, and I think sometimes we blame God for the stuff that he's like, I warned you. Think of, think of Cain and Abel. He literally comes to Cain and says, Cain, sin is crouching at the door wanting to destroy you. Don't give in. <laughs> Kills his brother. Well, that had an effect on his life. He gives us the power and the desire. I love 2 Peter 1 verse 3 in the first part where it says that by His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. That is, that is a wonderful encouragement. He has given me. So, so again, my strong conviction is that God's not the variable. I'm the variable. He does give me the power. The, the only question, in my opinion, in my life is whether or not I respond to that power, whether or not I access that power. 
when, when I reflect on, as I, as I often do, I will often come back to Jesus' words in Matthew 11, verse 28, 29, and 30, where he says that, where he invites all who are weary, tired, under heavy burdens, where he says, come to me, I am gentle and humble, and I will give you rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and the reality is there have been many, many times in my life where I have not felt like it's an easy yoke or a light burden. I'm like, it's false advertising. And then, if, and then if, now I, I'm not, this isn't, I think, the tone of voice from the Holy Spirit, but you know when you speak to yourself, and it's probably Holy Spirit-induced, so I'm like, ah, oh, it doesn't feel like a light and easy burden, and I, and I feel like the Holy Spirit would be saying, ah, oh, it really is. You're just <laughs> ignoring my way. Because the yoke actually refers to a way of life. And the, and the longer I stay yoked to Jesus, trusting Him, Growing in security, identity, differentiation, obeying what I need to do, letting go of what I can't do. In, in other words, if I'm going to keep taking on stuff that he hasn't asked me to do, well, of course it's not going to feel like an easy yoke or a light burden. It doesn't mean that it's an easy load or, or, or that, that there isn't you know, strength involved and stamina involved, but, but I believe that God will help us to do it in such a way that actually relative to the load— there's a peace. There's a joy. We need His power. How do we access the power we need? We allow Jesus to make our heart His home. And I want to unpack that for us a little bit. Because that sounds nice. Like that belongs in a song or a poem somewhere. We need it to work where the rubber hits the road. We need it to work where we are, where we are wrestling discouragement, where we are, where we are wrestling uh, between trying to discern um, between maybe not bad and good, but good and best, because there are different opportunities. Maybe you're facing something at work. Maybe you're facing something, um, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up and you have a couple of people in mind. Maybe you're needing to choose. Some people sitting here thinking, they've got a choice? What? <laughs> Yeah, like that's, that, that might be your challenge. You've got to choose who. Who are you taking the next step with? I don't know. The more that we allow Him to make our heart His home, and the more we make His heart our home, the more, I believe, we access His power and live in His power as it relates to His will. I don't think God gives us power for anything outside of His will. Ephesians 3 verse 14 says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. And then look at kind of how we, like, like the part that we play, as you trust in Him. How do we, listen, again, God's not the variable. He wants to make His home in our hearts. He, God cannot love you more. He cannot love me more. He's not the variable. He's not the variable. But as I grow in trusting Him, He will make His home in my heart. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And by the way, that term roots matters. Yeah. 
There, there are several other passages throughout the library of Scripture that makes reference to, being, to, to having our roots growing down, going down deep so that even in times of drought, it, it still has access to the water and to the refreshing. Guys, there is nothing in the Bible, including the New Testament, that promises you a trouble-free, challenge-free, easy, if you just do the right things, everything will be amazing life. There's nothing like, I'm, I'm, I'm so regularly amazed at people that'll preach this stuff. I'm like, have you read the New Testament? Did you read what happened to almost every single follower of Jesus? There were challenges. They were imprisoned. They were beaten. One, you know, Stephen was the first martyr. He was, he was, he was murdered brutally. John the Baptist was beheaded. Like, it was, it was gone. Jesus was murdered. Tradition holds that, that, that every, of the, every one of the apostles besides John is likely to have died a martyr's death. I know that's not what you came to church for this morning. What, all I'm trying to say, let me bring it back. Let me bring it back. All I'm trying to say is, I think we settle for way too light and cheap a view of God's power and what He can do. I think what's powerful is when, is when Paul and Silas are in prison and they have been beaten up and they are bloodied but they have joy. That's power. They're, they're worshiping God to the point that God's like, let's do something. And there's an earthquake. The chains fall off. The doors open. And not only them, but the people around them are all actually, physically speaking, set free. To the point that the jailer's like, I'm going to die. So I'm, I, don't, I don't want to die at the hand of my you know, superiors. I'm going to kill myself. Paul's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're all here leads him to the Lord. Him and his whole family get baptized in the, in the early hours of the morning. That's power. Not power to get the car I want or power to, to get the bursary that, that, that if I just believe it hard enough, God will give it. If God wants to give you the bursary, listen, oh, if you want a bursary, ask God. But surrender it to him. What I can guarantee you is that anything that God wants you to do, he will give you the power for. And I even believe he'll give you the provision for as you trust in Him, which means, I want to make this as simple as possible, we need to obey the next right thing that we know to do. I know we want a formula, I know we want, you know, 15 rigid steps, but it's going to look different for different people because we're, guys, look around you, just, you're allowed, you're allowed, look around, look around the people next to you, behind you, I know it's awkward, it's okay, don't breathe on them, just look around, just look around, just look around. Some of you are like, I will not look around. <laughs> okay. You be you. There is incredible diversity here. There's no way that the next right thing is the same for every person, which is why we need a relationship with God. If you're recovering from an addiction, your next right thing is going to look different to someone that's not recovering from an addiction. If you're a business owner, your next right thing might look different. If you are married, if you are single, if you are a child in submission to parents at home that are not, you know, immorally abusing you, the, your next step is going to look different. However, I want to encourage you from like a, philosoph from like a philosophical approach. 
I want to encourage you. If you want to understand how, how do I, okay, Jason, I want to do the next right thing. I want to access that power. I want him to make my heart his home. Like, like, is there any practical suggestion? I'm sure that there are plenty. I want to offer one. And it's, and it's well known to many, if not most of you. Even if you're new to church or fairly new to scripture, you would have heard what is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer. And my encouragement is not to repeat this as a mantra, as though there's something uh, superstitious or there's a superstitious power attached to, to reading this or to declaring this. No, no, Jesus offered it as a model. It would be prompts for us to, for, 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 to remind us of things. Language matters, right? And that's, that's, why, that's why there are times where I get n- nervous, not with what I think a song means, but how I think people might interpret a song. So even the song we sang today about Jesus and, and declaring the name of Jesus and Jesus in the streets and Jesus for our family, I, I don't want people to, to misunderstand and think that, that if we just like chant the name Jesus, that we'll get healing, we'll have breakthrough. No, no, it's, guys, there's some license attached to, and there's creativity attached to writing a song. It's like poetry. Theologically, what it is referring to is if I allow him to make my heart his home. If, if, I, if, if I will give him access to my life, if I will allow him to lead, I can trust my family to him. I can trust my neighbors to him. I can trust the people I love to him. I can trust the colleagues at work and, and the other students at school. I, I can trust them to him. God, I can surrender my need for healing to you. And I know that you are able. You are able to heal. You are able to provide. I can. So that's why language matters. And so even, even the idea of the Lord's Prayer, I think way too often people have thought, okay, like say five Our Fathers. I'm like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with repeating it five times, 20 times for that matter. But, but if the faith is attached to me saying the words and repeating it, rep- guys, that, that, you know, when I, when I have to buffer, then you know, I'm like, woo. In, in, in the worst case scenario, okay, this is not normal, but in the worst case scenario, that could be tantamount to witchcraft. It would be witchcraft for me to think that I can manipulate and control God by, by, by using a, a Christianized incantation. Okay, so that's what I don't want you to think as it relates to the Lord's Prayer. What I do want you to think is that Jesus, in his kindness, offered us a model, saying, this is how you can pray. His disciples saw something different in his prayer life to all the rabbis, to all the other religious leaders. They saw, they saw some of these guys standing in the, in, the, in the villages and towns looking very noble as they would have like, like prayer boxes on their hips and, and they'd and like literally in public. Like you'd be going to the shops and you'd have people that are, that, that are looking very pious, but they, they could see that there was something different about Jesus' prayer life. So they're like, please teach us how to pray. He gives this example. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. If you're familiar with other languages, it's just various English versions. Hallowed be your name would probably be more of the King James, New King James Version. It could be the NIV that says, may your name be honored. This is, so, so I think that this re- reflects two things. I am acknowledging him relationally. You are my father. You're my dad. You're the kindest person I'll ever meet. It, it reminds us to worship him, to acknowledge him. 
Maybe, maybe you take a moment to focus on a part of his character that you want to just appreciate. For me, for a long time, I've, I have found even just thinking through the fruits of the Spirit as a wonderful, again, a prompt to think, if this is the fruit of the Spirit, that means that this comes from God. So God, you are love. You are joy. All jo- you are joy-filled. You are peace-filled. You are, holy smokes, you are patient. You are so kind. You are gentle, self-controlled, good, faithful. We worship Him. That word in heaven, or that phrase in heaven, is actually, some scholars argue, relating to the fact that, that it's like the air around us. You are everywhere. Our Father, you're everywhere. May your name be kept holy, or may your name be honored, or hallowed be your name. God, I, I, want, I, want, I want you to get the glory that you deserve today. So for me, it's often a prompt to think, God, God help me to live this day in such a way that, that it actually brings you glory. Do you know how much that changes? That ain't prosperity theology. Prosperity theology is, I'm the master, you're the servant. You give what, you know. No, 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 this is like, God, help me to live in such a way that, that you get glory. May your kingdom come soon. May it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, I don't know that I fully understand what it means. I'm sorry if this scares some of you. I mean this in a positive way. I'm trying to better understand what it means to live in the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm trying to better understand what it means to let his kingdom come in this meeting, in this conflict. I know, I know you, you would imagine because you know I'm a pastor that it's all just rainbows and butterflies, but like there are court cases that I'm engaged, well, like, you know, like, like legal stuff, and, and there's times where we have to get police involved in stuff, and there, are, and there are people that we have to, that we have to try and deal with. Um, God, what does your kingdom coming look like in this case? When, when, you, when you're having a difficult conversation with someone, or you're needing to listen to something that is painful, what does what what your kingdom being present in this moment look like? I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I feel like there's a lot of room for me to grow in understanding what that looks like. May your will be done. I, I would argue that other than worshiping God, this is probably the most significant prayer we can pray. God, your will. He, he does go on to say, give us today, you know, the food that we need, which, which by the way, is great. Like, you can ask God for anything, I mean that. Like, if you want the car, you can ask for the car. But it's in the context of being surrendered to His will. You can ask for the bursary. You can ask for healing. Anything. But it is surrendered to His will. There's lots of stuff that I'll ask for, but I'm like, God, you know the deal. Like, I, I, I don't want it if you don't want it because I'm very grateful that God hasn't answered all my prayers. I'm very grateful that God hasn't given me everything I've wanted when I wanted it. Can I get a witness? Yes, like, I think the angels are like, yes. Thank goodness the father's kind, because Jason was dumb then. Like, 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 the father was kind. So, weak, so ask for whatever you need. I, I'm not trying to make light of this. There, there, some of you are sitting here, I mean, I am, but I, I'm not meaning for it all to be light. Some, some of you are sitting here with deep desires, deep burdens. I would encourage you to bring that completely to God. Like, God does care. Bring the burden. Bring the desire. 
There are things, there are lots of things that I pray for regularly, especially as it relates to certain people that I love and care for. That, that I don't have words to describe how deep that desire is for God to do something. There, there, I don't think there's ever a time where we sing that song, uh, I speak the name of Jesus, where I'm not praying for certain people. Generally the same people. Week in, week out, week in, week out, because I care. And I, now if I care, I, I believe God cares way more. So bring the burden, bring the desire. You want to be more effective at work? Ask God. He's like, now we, now we, now we, now we, now we're working. Like, let's, let's figure, but it's in the context of surrender to his will. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. We're, we confess. We're honest. We, we're vulnerable before God. We're not telling him anything he doesn't know. I feel like we need to be reminded of this. At no point are you, sh- God is not shockable. I-, I can be surprised by less and less as I work with people more. But, like, but, but God doesn't, God's not shocked. I was up in Eastern Cape this week, uh, spent some time with, with a couple of churches and with one pastor in particular where there is a situation that, where that we've been dealing with for about three years, trying to get squatters out of a church there and, and just, just, just all kinds of stuff. Anyway, <clears throat> and he's saying to me very casually, like nonchalantly, that, that he got a phone call from the police station because we asked him to go there the one day and to lay a complaint because the guys were removing a roof and we we're like, you're not the owners of the building, so don't remove the roof. So he went to the police station, told them about it, reported it, opened up a case. So then he gets a phone call by, I don't know if it's an inspector or what, who it is at the police station, um, asking him to come down. So he's like, he t- turns to his wife. He's like, if I'm not back in an hour, call so-and-so. Anyway, so he goes down and gets taken into a room, you know, in the police station. So like an office, right? And long story short, I can't give you all the details. Long story short, the guy is basically offering to take care of our problem for us. He started off at 60,000 rand. Eventually... When this guy wasn't biting, he's like, okay, 40, 40,000. Like and, and I asked him, like, did he know we were a church? He's like, yeah, he says that he's done it for other churches. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but that's what the guy said, okay? He's like, we can, we can, we can sort them out. We can remove them early, early hours of the morning. We'll, we'll create, you know, uh, accusation, whatever, charges against them, etc. I'm like... God, we, we, we want your will to be done. So I really do believe that overriding the principles of God in order to achieve the purpose of God, because, because there's some purpose attached. Like we have, we have purpose. We, we have plans in mind. Besides the fact that this has been enormously draining for, for, for a few years. But, but how do we achieve God's purposes while overriding his principles? Some of us sitting here are overriding God's principles and we're getting a little bit frustrated with Him that we're not experiencing His purposes. Let's not override the principles of God in order to achieve the purposes of God. So we, so we confess. We don't shock Him. I, I was a little bit shocked and surprised by the story. God doesn't get shocked. We, we confess, but also we forgive. We don't, we don't hold revenge in our hearts and in our hands. 
And then lastly, and I appreciate this, and this is something that this particular prayer helps me to remember regularly. It doesn't take a lot for me to remember to confess or ask for forgiveness and, and to forgive others and to, a lot of the stuff in this prayer I, I, I will do quite naturally. It's this last part that I have to actually, that, that is more of a discipline. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. But I also want you to notice that it's in the, a lot of these things are us and our. So, so every time I think about this, I'm praying, God, would you, and I'm thinking of other friends as well. I'm like, God, would you lead us away from temptation? Deliver us from evil. Lead us away from temptation. I mean, I'd rather be led away to begin with than, than have to be delivered from the lion's den. So, so lead me away as much as possible. But, but, if, but if, I'm, if I'm faced with evil, would you rescue me? And again, I believe that there'd be people here today that are actually, you're not, you're not facing evil in the sense of as a temptation. You're facing evil in, in the sense that you're on the receiving end of an evil agenda. And, and I, I feel like that could be specifically like someone here today and where you're, you, I want to encourage you and remind you that you can pray. God, rescue me from the evil one. Rescue me from the evil one. I want to encourage you that God wants to strengthen the fully committed. 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9 says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Whose hearts are fully committed. He's looking. I've often mentioned that heavenly radar wand, which is not real. I just imagine like he's like... Like just, just looking for that blip on the screen for someone that is actually taking him seriously, for someone that is actually allowing him to make our heart his home and we're increasingly making his heart our home, which is exactly what John 15, Abiding in the Vine, talks about. That's, that's what Jesus is talking about there. He's looking, he's looking, he's looking. Is it, is it possible that God wants to give us more power than what we dare even ask him for? Power to live, power for freedom, power to... to move away from temptation, to be delivered from evil, to be increasingly righteous and holy and generous, increasingly secure, differentiated, holding on loosely to our own will, surrendered to His. And, I'm, and I honestly believe that there is freedom found in that, that there is an adventure in, found in that. But we're the variable, not God. He's looking for people that are fully devoted in order to strengthen them. Come on, won't you stand with me, please? I want, to, I want to read this passage over you as we conclude this series. I want to, I'm, I am praying, I'm, I think I could be praying for you more than I've ever prayed for you. Not because you're more messed up than you've ever been. I'm just like, I think, I think God's helping me to, you know, to pray more. For me, as a, as a pastor, as a leader, a point of tension for me is trusting God for what only He can do in your life far more than depending on how clever a sermon is or, or how accurately I interpret Scripture, which matters. All of, all of that matters. Or how slick our program is or excellent the program is or that the sound doesn't go over 100 decibels or whatever. Like, the, I, guys, there's stuff that only God can do if we will allow Him. We are the variable. He is trying to, wanting to, offering to do a work in us if we will allow Him. And 
He's giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So this is how I'm closing this series and this service. Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 21. When I think of all this, I just want you to take this in. If you want to, you can even close your eyes. You can open your hands. You don't have to, but I want you to take, I want you to take this in. Maybe this is more to be caught than taught. When I think of all this, all, the, all of who God is, what He's done, how wonderful He is. I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you. You, 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 and you. You and the person next to you and the person in front of you and the person behind you and the person at home that He would empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him and your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, long, high and deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ. May you experience it. I am praying way more than ever before that people would experience His love. Though it is too great to understand fully. In other words, there's stuff that we can understand. There's a part of this that, that, that is apologetical, that is, that, that, where we can make a case for it, where it's intellectual, it's academic. But there's a part of this that we cannot sufficiently get our head around. It is an experience. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to fully understand. Then you'll be made complete, increasingly whole, increasingly healthy. He didn't just come to save your soul from a lost eternity. He has come to make us whole. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church. Glory to Him in Legacy Church. Glory to Him in Mulnerton. Glory to Him in Cape Town. Glory to Him in South Africa and Africa and the world. Glory to Him who is able through His mighty power work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let it be. Glory to God. Glory to God. He is wonderful. He is kind. He is loving. He is trustworthy. He is faithful. He is good. He is gentle. He is filled with peace and joy. Why wouldn't I want to tap into more and more of His power as I allow Him to make my heart His home? And, I, and as I discover what it means to increasingly make His heart my home. 